Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Seattle. Well, nope. The Seattle is awesome. No, that's not what it's called. <laughs> Seattle Tonight. is awesome. Third time all, all flustered, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. There you go. I said the name correct. I almost said it wrong, but it's Awesome in Seattle. That is what we are. <laughs> this is the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is your host, Christian Awesome, with the Awesome and Awesome group at Wilson Realty. And I am joined by the rest of the team. First off, we got Charlotte Reynolds. Good afternoon. <laughs> Sarah Kate Davis. Also, good afternoon. And the one and only Jason Saldariaga. As always. <laughs> and if you know, he always says that and it always makes me laugh. <laughs> Today's episode is all about new construction. And if you've ever contemplated or thought about buying a new construction house, then you definitely want to listen to this whole episode. It will get you up to speed on what you got to do. Uh, it is different than buying a resale home or a traditional home that's already been owned. Uh, there are, is a lot of little things that change the process and how things work. So this is going to be a great overview, overview for you if you are buying a new construction home. So uh, first off, let's talk about kind of the some basic differences in the types of properties. So in Seattle, often there aren't very many large developments. So I'm talking like a big 40 to 200 home development. That's kind of out in the suburbs more. But there's a big difference between those and kind of what you'll see in city of Seattle. And that's more like a four to six, maybe eight unit townhouse or even just a single family home that's brand new. So you really got to understand what those differences are. First off, let's talk about shopping for new construction, Jason. Yeah. So the first question really is, where do you find these homes? Um, obviously, most of the time when, when it's completed, it's going to be on the MLS usually. Like that's how most sellers want to list their house. And they, get, they get good marketability from that and that sort of thing. But uh, if you're really looking only for new construction, there are little tips and tricks that might get you in the door a little early, such as looking at the builder's websites directly, because you'll see that a lot of times they'll market the neighborhood, not the neighborhood, but the development um, before they're ready to list it. Maybe they just uh, got the permits and um, they're starting to build the foundations. A lot of times they'll start having stuff online about that. And so you can, get your foot in the door, start doing your research, um, let your agent know that you're interested in this. And that might help when the property's finished, you might be the first to know, um, which is always helpful. Another a little tip here, there's an amazing website called seattleinprogress.com. And this is a website for only Seattle proper, but it's every building permit um, on a map. That you, and you can go through and see everything that's being permitted. A lot of the, these permits end up not being built. but but So you will have to weed through that. But that's a great way to see things before they even start clearing the land, quite frankly. Um, so that's a, that's a good way to, way to get information way in advance. So like Christian said, I'm just going like to kind of extrapolate something that he mentioned. So... With new construction, there, there's really like three categories here. Number one, there's the flipped home. 
And there's a ton of flippers in Seattle from large scale companies to mom and pop shops. And generally speaking, a flipped home is pretty similar to buying a non-flipped home. They don't really have warranties, which we'll talk about because they don't impact the structure generally. They don't really get building uh, builder walkthroughs, which we'll also talk about. So I'm I'm uh, preempting a lot of what we're going to discuss today, but I just wanted to make clear. So this doesn't necessarily apply to flipped homes. Some of this does that we'll discuss today, but not all of it. The second thing is what we see a lot of in Seattle, which are the new construction, generally like townhouse developments. Um, a builder might go and buy a rundown house, a single family home, and tear it down and build you know, five townhouses. If they're really lucky, they might buy two adjoining properties and combine them. You see a lot of this um, in Seattle. And a lot of times these are moderately sized companies. They might have good capital because they've been doing this a while, but they might do like one or two developments at a time. They're not something like DR Horton, which is the third option, which are the large scale subdivision size developments. Like Christian said, you generally don't see this in Seattle. I don't know if you know, but we're surrounded by water. Land is a <laughs> premium here. So you don't see many large scale developments in Seattle proper, but like in Mill Creek and that sort of thing, you'll see these, you know, 300 home developments where they have a sales office and huge marketing campaigns. They might even buy bill, pay for billboards on the freeway and that sort of thing. So touring homes, it can be different depending on the type of property we're talking about. So if you're looking at like a townhouse, it's going to be very similar to looking at just any other house on the MLS. You're going to have a, an agent that's going to key you in, show you the property. There uh, might be multiple units that you can tour. A lot of times the way that these townhouses are marketed they might have like two standalone units in the back and then in the front they might have three identical units that are not standalone let's say and the, the uh, listing agent oftentimes will list one of the standalones and one of the other units that there's three of and they will sell only market those two and sell all the other units through those two in other words what what does this mean for you as a buyer. If you go online and you see that there's two townhouses available at this one, you know, little development of townhouses, there very likely are more. And you might, if you, especially if you look quickly, like be one of the first people on the site, on site before they start selling the units, you might be able to really determine which unit you want. One might be a corner unit, which will generally be a little more expensive, generally speaking, because it lets in more light. That's uh, most more people, you know, it's more desirable. Mm -hmm. um, so keep that in mind. In these large scale developments, though, on the periphery of Seattle, a lot of times you have site agents. So then some of these properties even have sales offices, especially the large scale ones on the periphery of Seattle. Um, they might... Um, have a sales office in like the clubhouse that is going at least in the future, going to be the clubhouse for the, the neighborhood um, or the subdivision. A lot of times also they'll just put the sales office in the first finished house that's fully upgraded and they use it also as a model home to show. Um, and I, just to be clear, these are the sub these subdivisions that you drive through and you see like all the signs. It's like a huge area of land that's been clear cut 
and they're starting to build foundations a lot of times and you'll see signs saying like sales office directing you to like the one house that's standing in the middle of the field. And if you go in, you can go in by yourself without an agent. And generally the first thing they should ask, they usually ask is, do you have an agent? Because what happens here is you need to register if you're represented. And if you're not represented, they will gladly represent you. That does not mean that you want that, right? Because you don't necessarily want the seller's agent or the builder's agent to represent you as a buyer, but they try to do that because it saves them money and it makes it easier for them. The other thing to keep in mind, every one of these developments has a different rule that's uh, actually in, uh, listed in the MLS that agents can see. Every builder has a different like rule set. So if you, for example, see a, one of these developments by yourself without your, without your agent, even if you have an agent, your agent might not be able to get their full commission. And so you uh, risk your agent not being fully paid. You also risk potentially not getting the representation you want at the end of the day. Because again, you don't necessarily, it's not in your best interest, generally speaking, to have the listing agent also write up the contract for you and represent you. So too long didn't read. If you're looking at these large scale developments, really in, it's the same rule for any property. You always want to reach out to your agent and make sure that they're aware of the property. They'll let you know information that you aren't necessarily privy to because it might not be public. And they'll also make sure that you're doing things in such a way that you'll make sure you protect your representation moving forward. Of course, if you want, you can always put us down you can also really quickly just email us. Our website's awesome.com. Reach out to us and we can get you uh, scheduled to sh see stuff very quickly. Same day. I say same day because I don't know about y'all, but I'm seeing all these Redfin billboards around the city that say <laughs> uh, same day showings in Seattle. And, I'm, and every time I'm in my car with my boyfriend, I'm like, they say like they say it like this is a huge some revelation like oh my god <laughs> like most good agents i know are available very yeah. quickly so exactly okay just text us yeah. we will we will help i just i always laugh i roll my eyes a little bit and i'm scared they're gonna get stuck in the back of my head <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of dynamics at play when you're uh, buying a new construction because, because again there's generally multiple units available and so Knock on wood, a lot of times things aren't as competitive with new construction as they are with like a home um, in like a random Seattle neighborhood. Like a resale home. A resale home, yeah. Yep. Again, because there's multiple units available. And they will a lot of times have different prices, slightly up and down based on if one's you know, has better views, is maybe standalone, has, is a corner unit, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, this is an important thing to highlight too. Like in a competitive market like we're in right now, if you're used to competing against, you know, three to 10 offers on every house that's available for sale with a new construction townhouse, let's say in Seattle, there's often, you know, at a minimum, generally four units they usually only list or put one of them up for sale online, but there's three others available. You could potentially go in, try to make an offer on that one. Even if there's more than one offer on the table, there's three other units that you could go, Oh, well, I like this one next door just as good. So I'm going to go with that one instead. Like it's less competitive. You have more chance at getting your offer accepted. 
Yeah, and a lot of times, let's say it's like a, a moderate size, like townhouse. I, I dealt with one in Wallingford. It was like 12 units and they got like three offers for one unit, like the most desirable one. And basically what ended up happening was the listing agent kind of found the right unit for each offer, mm-hmm. if it made sense, you know. And at the end of the day, there were a lot of happy happy customers in that, in that regard. Yep. And then a, one last little tip. So oftentimes, not all the units are going to be modeled or staged. A lot of times they'll finish one at a time. And then as they sell the units, they'll prioritize finishing up, uh, the units they sell in order of their closing date. Um, and so uh, just keep that in mind. A lot of times the listing agent or the, sell- or the builder wants to prioritize. They have different strategies. A lot of times they want to prioritize other units other than the model. Or sometimes depending on the situation, they want to prioritize the model. That's So every situation is a little different and that's where a good agent comes in. But yeah, that's my spiel. Cool. All right. So let's, uh, let's say Sarah Kate that you kind of found one that you want to make an offer on. How does that pull process plus negotiating work? Um, well, a lot of builders have different contracts and paperwork. So mm-hmm. if you've purchased a home in the past, maybe you're familiar with the standard Northwest MLS forms that, that we use, um, for purchase and sale, but, um, builders can have their own paperwork and it maybe doesn't look familiar to you. It essentially states the same things as a Northwest MLS standard contract, but they've written it up themselves. And a lot of times they write it up to protect the builder and the seller a little extra, just because sometimes there can be construction delays and they want to make sure that there's no penalty for them maybe running behind schedule. Or maybe they have things that they're waiting on the city for, such as like occupancy, um, paperwork and such. So they really build that into the contract to make sure they protect themselves well in in that scenario. Um, You know, as far as those kind of builder contracts, we always recommend that, you know, you get those reviewed by a lawyer Sometimes they can be really legalese and jargon and stuff. And sometimes that's a little outside of our scope. So it's really good to protect yourselves and to know that, um, you know, the more in-city builders, we see a mix of Northwest MLS contract paperwork as well as builder addendum. And, um, you know, again, that's just to protect themselves and to um, make sure that there is an out if things, you know, go wrong or delayed. And sometimes buyers can have an out as well. For instance, if the builder goes over the extended agreed upon date, um, sometimes uh, the buyers will have the right to walk away with their earnest money. So, and yeah. And so just with negotiating those contracts and stuff, um, it's good. It's good to know all of these things and just to read the contracts really carefully and to know what your rights as buyers and sellers are. Yep. Let's talk about price when you're negotiating and why that's, uh, I guess, such a, a big hang up for builders in order to get the price they want. Why is that? Uh, well, they, they put a lot of money into these new builds. They most of the time make sure that, you know, they're very state of the art. They have quality materials, quality insulation. They're really efficient. 
Um, so they really want to get that price because chances are they're building another home next door, let's say, and they really want to be able to get that full price and use that as a comp to sell other townhome units or other standalone family units. But if there are things they're willing to do, a lot of times new builders give credits to buyers at closing or will have some other sort of concession that you can negotiate uh, in your contract. Yeah, well, well, much you're much more likely to get a credit or even maybe some upgrades within the home before the seller will drop the price because they want to protect the price for the other units in the same development that are also going to be sold. And they don't want those buyers to come back and say, Hey, well, you just sold unit a for 10 grand under. That's what I want. They're going to be like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So instead what they'll do is they'll try to hide the, the negotiation that went on by giving credits or upgrades that aren't necessarily uh, visible from the, from other buyers looking at units in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about cost initially new construction versus, you know, a, a resale home? So the new construction homes are, like I said, just more state of the art. They have, you know, modern finishes also with new construction homes they have brand new systems you know Mm -hmm. so you're paying for that up front you within your lifespan of owning that home will probably not have to buy a new water heater or a new furnace or anything like that so you're paying for some of that stuff up up front and that's why they're a little more expensive yep great charlotte Let's talk about time frame for buying new construction. Uh, let's you know discuss when a home is being built, um, the difference between that and something that's already completed. Yeah, so you know a lot of the time, depending on how the market is, the builders will strategize what they're gonna do uh, based on the market. So for example, if the market is a, is a little bit slower, and it's more of a buyer's market, the developer will oftentimes put the homes on as pre-sale. And by doing this, they can also allow you to do some minor customizations as a way to get you more excited about the house as well. Uh, so for example, if you're you know early on enough in the process uh, of their building, they might be able to add on some extra things or change you know make a change in the original plans uh of the home so for example we had a client uh, just a few years ago um, who was buying some new construction and you know he asked the builders and i think he yeah he was looking when they were pretty much just pouring the foundation and getting the framing up so what he asked them to do uh was put in like a little fridge at the top of the stairs Um, i think they did some uh, moderations to modifications to the plumbing so they could put a sink up there. Uh, so kind of just like a little kind yeah. of wet bar set up. Exactly. And this was like leading or at the top of a townhouse leading up to the rooftop deck. So it was right at yeah. the landing at the top of those stairs. So just adding in, you know, those little customizations um, and then by putting it on as pre-sale, it allows you know, the time for that as a way to make it more appealing. Um, And then also what we see in, you know, more larger developments is that they'll have a basic kind of finishing package with, you know, the countertops, cabinets, floors, and all that stuff. Um, And what they'll do is allow you to upgrade to a different package to increase the cost. So say, for example, you want 
um, like a, a higher quality of hardwood floors or you want, you know, a different shade of cabinet or something, you, you know, they, they allow some room for you to customize your home, of course, at an increased cost. Um, and same with those minor customizations that I mentioned earlier. Um, they're, you know, likely willing to do that, but at the same time, it will probably cost you a little bit extra. You know, on the flip side of that, if the market is hot and it's a seller's market, they generally are going to wait until it's fully completed so that they can kind of let the market go up while they're completing the instruction, uh, construction uh, because, you know, things are pretty competitive um, at that stage. So, again, it depends a lot on what the market looks like. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is if you are buying pre-sale, it could be months until the project is completed. So just be well aware, you know, when you're writing that offer of how much time the builders are going to need to complete it and make sure it goes along with your time frame of your current living situation. Um, and then just be prepared for extensions, um, depending on who the builder is uh, and things like that. Correct. And then if there's a pandemic, then you just never know what the heck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All bets are off at that point. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note too, with new construction, interest rates are a big factor and the unfortunate thing with when you're buying something that's a pre-sale or not done yet generally you're not able to lock in your interest rate way ahead of time so you run the risk potentially of interest rates increasing between when you make your offer and when the house is close enough to uh lock your interest rate. So that's one potential issue that you need to be aware of on some of these newer, larger developments. If you go with their preferred lender on site, sometimes they will lock your interest rate way ahead of time. Uh, but just like anything, they're going to charge you for it. Uh, it may not be an obvious charge, but generally they will charge you for that. So just be aware that, uh, you're not going to be able to lock your interest rate in if your your home is months and months away from being completed. Cool. All right, let's go on to let's say now you're under contract, you you know, you've gone through the negotiation, you've um, figured out if you want to do any upgrades, all those things are done. The home is pretty much completed. Now it's time to do your final walkthrough and get a home inspection. A misconception a lot of times with home buyers is with new construction, you don't need to get an inspection because hell, it's new. Why would you need to get an inspection? Well, you need to get an inspection because it's new. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, there's a, a general contractor who has hired a lot of subs subcontractors and those subcontractors are working from they're going you know from one unit to the next unit to the next unit and sometimes there's issues that pop up and they just forget and the next guy comes in and thinks it's all the way done but maybe it's not all the way done um they think the the plumbing's you know set up and connected to the laundry room or the dryer vents hooked up or the whatever electrical outlets in the master bedroom, bathroom, whatever, aren't connected. This is why you hire an inspector. 
obviously there's not going to be end of life issues with them at some of the appliances or furnace or anything like that. It's going to be more, um, did they do everything that they should do? And this is, uh, you know, looking a lot more detailed than the, uh, code inspector would do the code inspector is just going to go, okay, the rise and run of the stairs is correct. They did X, Y, and Z. Those things are done. They're not testing every appliance necessarily or, or faucet or outlet. That's why you need to hire an inspector. It's very important. Some of, you know, in talking to inspectors, some of the worst homes they've ever done an inspection on often deals with new construction where a contract or a subcontractor completely blew it or didn't do their job, you know, and that's, that's where, you know, you're paying this inspector to go through and find these things. Often they're, in the crawl space or the attic where no one in their right mind really wants to go even with, <laughs> even with new construction because no one likes to crawl under a house. So it's very important to do this uh, regardless of it being new construction or not. Um, the time frame for getting your inspection done. So when you make your offer, you don't want the clock on your inspection time frame to start until the developer or builder tells you, hey, we are done. You can now do your inspection because otherwise you're just going to go through there and they're going to be like, yeah, you haven't installed the countertops yet. And the sink isn't installed either because the countertops aren't in. And that means the plumbing hasn't been installed. And I mean, you're just, it, it's, it's a stupid inspection at that point. It's worthless. So you want to make sure that the contract is written with the language stating that the inspection period time frame does not start until the construction has been completed and the builder notifies you of that. Generally, you have, again, generally five to 10 days to get your ins inspection done. You don't want that clock to start before they're done building it. Now, a, a separate item is a builder walkthrough. Now, a builder walkthrough generally is done about a week-ish before... Uh, the closing date. Uh, this is when the builder walks you through the home, gives you an orientation on what systems are in the home, how to use those systems, um, and really teaches you all about the home. Some of these new construction homes have technology that's pretty new and a lot of people haven't seen yet. So it's a really good chance for you to ask questions, uh, get clarification, and, um, and really understand the home that you're buying. Uh, they're very helpful. Uh, this is also where the builder or the builder's rep or whoever it is that's giving you this builder walkthrough, uh, towards the end, they will give you a little bit of time to walk through. And this is where you take blue painter's tape or any painter's tape for that matter. And you just mark any imperfections that you see it could be anywhere from grout that is cracked between tiles, um, a nail pop in the drywall. That, that means like the nail or the screw. Uh, now that the house is somewhat settled, uh, that's where the screw or the nail head kind of pops out a little bit, maybe a quarter of an inch or less uh, out from the drywall. And it looks just kind of ugly. These are things that when you're buying new construction, you can actually point out. I've actually had it where we found a dent in the brand new refrigerator door and they had to replace that because this is brand new construction. You're buying brand new appliances as well. Um, I'm sure they weren't too happy about that, but that's something that they have to do. So uh, those are the differences between the inspection and the builder's walkthrough. 
um, which kind of leads us into warranties that are involved with new construction. So, uh, Jason, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, so basically speaking, every new construction under state law is covered by a, an implied warranty of habitability. And this is pretty limited, to be perfectly honest. It covers basically the structure of the, the house and the fact that there aren't any major code violations. If there are, then those need to be fixed. Outside of that, builders aren't necessarily legally obligated by state law to offer more warranty. That said, the vast majority do, and they offer a one-year warranty on a lot of different parts of the property. So when you go in and buy one of these houses, you sign, it's part of the contract, generally this multi-page warranty, and it breaks out every facet of the property from the foundation to the framing, to the flashing, to the decks and the plumbing and drywall. And they mention what is covered and what's not covered. And generally speaking, these warranties are about a year or 12 months um, after close. And so you have 12 months to keep your eye out on anything that changes in the property. And when 12 months is over, you are not able then to reach out to the, the builder and say, hey, please fix X, Y, Z. So a little tip, when you go and buy a house, Put in your calendar for 11 months after close a reminder to pop up and remind you that you need to get that list of all those things that over the last 11 months have kind of happened. The settling, the little, like Christian was saying, the drywall screws that are popping out, the drywall nails. Get that list, reach out to the builder and have them come by and look and uh, fix them, assuming they're covered by that warranty that I was discussing. Um, because if you wait, you put at risk the, the fact that the clock's going to run out on you. So that's no good. But yeah. yeah and every house is going to have settling. I mean, you're putting this giant heavy structure on a piece of land that possibly before had nothing built on it. And the house does settle over time. And these little, you know, like I said, grout cracks and nail pops and, you know, cracks in the drywall seams and all these little weird things. They happen. It's natural. Um, sometimes it's flooring that settled weird and sometimes they got to do a little more extensive work on stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, that's a great tip, Jason, to, to do that. I try. <laughs> <laughs> My friend bought a new construction a couple of years ago and within the first year, his dishwasher stopped working and the, that was actually covered as well. So he was able to get that replaced at no cost to him. So that's a good point that you bring up, actually. Yeah. So a lot of these warranties, a lot of it actually isn't the builder that covers it. What they might do is they might facilitate the coverage because it's probably the manufacturer, for example, the dishwasher. It's most likely the manufacturer mm -hmm. that covered that. But the builder will, over that first 12 months especially, will help like, okay, yeah, this reach out to this person um, and they'll cover it or whatever. Reach out to this company, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. Yeah. And Sarah Kate, you brought up a good point. So appliances, that's what you were just talking about or chatting about. Sometimes all the appliances are not included with new construction. Very often a washer and dryer is not included. Sometimes the refrigerator is not included. So you need to really pay attention to what is in the home and what is listed in the contract uh, as what's going to be added to the home after the fact if it's not currently there. Um, because those can be some pretty expensive appliances that you got to buy. Uh, I mean, that's a few grand right there. Yeah. Another thing, blinds. Blinds are 
surprisingly expensive. It generally shocks most first-time home buyers or even dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, minimum two thousand, often close to five thousand, if not more. Uh, especially on these new modern homes that have these gigantic floor-to-ceiling windows yep. that span the entire floor almost uh, of of a of the of the home you know it could be you know the entire half the living room is all floor to ceiling windows from one wall to the corner and then that corner to another wall to really let in as much natural light but because of that if unless you want people staring at you you got to cover those things smaller things shower curtain rods they're generally not included. They're not expensive, but just be aware, you know, if, if you only have bathtubs in the home and not like a stand-up shower that has a glass enclosure or some sort of a door, you move in, you might not have the ability to take a shower unless you're going to be putting towels all over the floor and cleaning up after all the water that spills out. If so I could interject here that. as well, yeah. a lot of these new builds will have very large, almost walk-in showers, but they haven't placed glass up either and they don't Mm -hmm. intend to. And that can Mm -hmm. be really expensive, especially if it's a really large space or you're looking at like a custom shower rod. So definitely be aware of that. Yeah. Don't always assume that there will be a glass enclosure either because sometimes there won't be. So um, I actually, I think you brought that up Sarah Kate, cause it was just last week that you showed a house that had a really funky shower that it was, it was huge, yeah. but it didn't have a glass enclosure at all. And uh, thankfully you inquired about it and found out, no, we're not going to install one because of where we put this in. It would have been way too expensive to do. Yeah. So, and it would have blocked certain other amenities in the bathroom. So it was just yeah. an odd, odd case, but I've seen that happen. pretty often with new builds. Uh, Another thing too is on rooftop decks. So if you're in a townhouse, for instance, generally you, if it's not a standalone, meaning you're not sharing any walls, but if you are sharing walls, generally it's a, it's not a very private experience on the rooftop deck and you might want to add some privacy down the road for that. So, you know, factor that in as well. It's obviously not something that you have to do immediately, um, but that's something that you might want to add. Same with additional lighting up there. Um, Often they'll have, you know, one light right by the door to get up there, but that's about it. So if you're trying to hang out there in the evening, you might not have very much light. So just little things to add that that's generally not included. Uh, anything else you guys have that you want to add to that list? No, not me. Yeah, that's pretty good, though. So. Great. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, new construction is something that people really do love. It's move-in ready. It's turnkey. There's going to be a lot less maintenance for the foreseeable future. There's. It's overall it's just less stress because you don't have to worry about you know your furnace or your refrigerator or anything going out very soon. So that's why new construction is you know, so popular. Hopefully our episode today really helped to explain the pros and cons and, and really some of the uh, things to expect along the journey of buying new construction. If you ever are considering buying new construction or a resale home, you can always choose to chat with us. You can always schedule that right online at awesomenawesome.com forward slash schedule. We are always here to help. Again, if you're out and about looking at a new construction site that makes you sign in, 
feel free to add our names as the agent if you don't have one. If we're not a good fit, we're not going to hold you to it, but at least you have some form of representation potentially on there, which could never hurt. So we hope this episode was helpful. Hope you're all staying safe, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.